So day one of the impeachment trial for Ken Paxton is over. And we are going to recap what happened today. We'll talk about what's ahead for tomorrow as well. And in your forecast, we set a record warm morning low this morning. Wait until you see the absurd heat we've got the next few days, but also some better signs of improvement on the horizon. And in other news today, a traffic stop in Buda leads to gunfire. What police are charging the suspect with? Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, a very historic day today, day one of the impeachment trial against suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton underway. If you've been watching us, then you know we've been on it since 8.30 this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Britt Moreno. And I'm Daniel Marin. Questions of if the trial would proceed were quickly shut down this morning when senators took bipartisan votes and denying Paxton's requests to dismiss the articles of impeachment. Our Capitol correspondent Monica Madden has more with the latest on what was largely procedural start to this historic trial. A historic day in the Texas Senate. So help me God. So help me God. Unable to vote, Senator Angela Paxton hugged her husband before embarking on the trial that could remove him from office. It started with the swearing-in of key players. I do solemnly swear or affirm. Then senators voted to deny all of Paxton's requests to toss out the articles. There being 22 nays and 8 yeas, the motion is denied. 24 nays and 6 ayes. The motion is denied. Motion is denied. In opening statements, the Republican who led impeachment in the House laid out the lower chamber's case. The House uncovered egregious misconduct and abuse of office by the Attorney General of the state of Texas. He should be removed from office and prevented from ever holding a position of trust in the state of Texas. Paxton's attorneys punched back, attacking the process and what they call false narratives about Paxton. Why did it happen? when it did. What was the rush? We've heard in the media about burner phones, secret email addresses, Uber rides, stolen pins, pilfered sport coats. Those are manufactured lies. Both asking the jury to do the right thing after senators prayed for fortitude as they take on a duty only few have before. We just pray that when all this is over that all of us will walk away uh, knowing in your eyes that we did the right thing. Monica Madden, KXAN News. Another key moment today was when Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who is the one presiding over this trial, ruled that Ken Paxton cannot be compelled to testify. So you won't hear from him. Paxton came in this morning and was gone by this afternoon, missing opening statements and the first key witnesses. Now, please don't forget KXAN is live streaming the trial in its entirety, start to finish on our website. You can find it on our homepage, KXAN.com. Well, other news now, the trial for 21-year-old DeAndre White, the suspect in the 2021 mass shooting on 6th Street, is also wrapping up. Today we heard from the now 19-year-old Jeremiah Tab, who was indicted in late 2021 on a tampering with evidence charge, which is a third-degree felony. Now, a witness who is part of White's group told the court last week her friends ultimately blamed Tab for investigating, instigating, I should say, the shooting. Tab gave his recount of what happened that night. He testified today that White admitted to shooting and said that it was in self-defense. But then they started seeing news accounts about how many people were shot during the incident and that DeAndre White started talking about changing his appearance. Now, Tab has entered an agreement with the state concerning his charge of tampering with evidence. If he cooperates and truthfully testifies, his charges will be dropped. The court also heard from a forensic DNA expert today. The judge says prosecutors will conclude this evening and that the case will be with the jury by tomorrow afternoon. 
Until then, you can read the rest of our reporting from today in court under this story over at KXAN.com. We are learning more about a shooting involving Buta police and Hayes County Sheriff's deputies that happened this morning. Around 4, a Buta police officer made a traffic stop on I-35 near the Main Street intersection. Investigators say the suspect later identified as Lee Allen Ellsbury got out of his car and pointed a gun at an officer. Well, that officer then fired. The suspect apparently took off, and this chase ended with law enforcement shooting and wounding Ellsbury. Officers immediately started life-saving measures. They called EMS. Ellsbury was taken to the hospital and is in critical condition. They say he has an extensive criminal history, and they are filing more charges against him. He's a 46-year-old male from Marble Falls. Ellsbury has an extensive criminal history with a current felony warrant for his arrest out of Austin for an unauthorized use of motor vehicle. Butte Police will be filing the following charges. Attempted capital murder, two charges of aggravated assault on a peace officer with a deadly weapon, failure to identify fugitive, and possession of a firearm by a felon. The Texas Rangers, Buda PD, and Hayes County Sheriff's Office are investigating. The deputies involved have been reassigned to administrative duties pending the outcome of the investigation. That is standard procedure. Buda police officers have been placed on paid administrative leave. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, if you stepped outside this morning and thought it felt a little July-like instead of meteorological autumn here in September, you were right. Low temperatures so far today have hit 79, a tie for a record warm morning low on today's calendar day from back in 2015. Live sunshine, just a few little puffy clouds here in Westlake on the Lorenz and Lorenz 360 cam. It's awfully hot out there again right now. 102 in Austin and Rockdale, 103 in San Marcos. But we warned you yesterday about the humidity and boy it feels a little hotter than the thermometer says heat index values up to 108 right now in Caldwell County. Can we get through the next few days? If we can, look at what is on the horizon. Next week looks wetter, it looks milder. We've got a lot of positive updates for once in your forecast. Next. All right, David, thank you very much. A Pennsylvania community remains on edge as the manhunt for a dangerous escaped inmate moves into its sixth day. Pennsylvania State Police say there have been additional sightings of convicted killer Danilo Cavalcante. Uh, one of the latest sightings captured on a private trail camera not far from the initial search perimeter. The new sighting is sparking school closures and that expanded the perimeter. Police say he is extremely dangerous and they're urging residents to check their belongings to see if there's been any kind of disturbance to their home. Police are also asking people to be flexible as they search perimeters because things may change and some roads may close in that area. There's also a $10,000 reward for any information leading to his capture. Well, some big cities like New York City are starting school this week, but with the influx of migrants sent there, are schools prepared for more students? And lawmakers are back in D.C. to tackle a very busy September schedule, what they need to accomplish before a government shutdown. Plus a new plan to make sure Northeast Austin residents thrive in their communities. 
Many cities across the country are still struggling to provide housing for asylum seekers. And in New York, there are growing concerns about overcrowding in schools with an influx of new students expected this week. Schools in New York City start on Thursday. Under New York state law, all kids between ages 5 and 21 are guaranteed a public education regardless of their immigration status. Nearly 19,000 students in temporary housing, many of them migrants, have enrolled in city schools, but some parents are worried schools will be stretched too thin. The New York City Schools Chancellor says the funding formula has been changed to provide more money to schools based on the number of students in temporary housing. Well, tonight on NBC Nightly News, auto workers are edging closer to a strike. The United Auto Workers, they want a bigger salary, also fewer working hours. NBC News' Tom Costello checks in on the negotiations and how a strike could impact you. Good day. This could be a strike that sends car prices even higher, whether it's a new car, but also car parts. The United Auto Workers, 146,000 people threatening to go on strike as soon as next week if their demands are not met. They have big demands. They want a 46% pay hike. They want a 32-hour work week, but paid for 40, and they want the restoration of pension benefits. Now, the big three automakers say those are unrealistic demands. But the clock is ticking. They've got just over a week before their contract expires. On Nightly News, we'll go into this, what it means for potentially the next car you buy, the prices, and even if you want your car serviced, you could see a shortage of parts, and that means higher prices. Well, meantime, here in town, the longest ever stretch of consecutive 100-degree days at the airport continues. Today, high temperatures were 12 degrees hotter than normal at 105. That's their 39th day in a row of triple-digit heat. Dry weather continues for now, but coming up in your forecast, your first warning on a big change next week. Travis County has a new plan to put more resources and money into Northeast Austin. They just got the green light to do this last week. As our Jayla Washington reports, these are ongoing efforts to deal with systemic issues affecting mostly black and brown people who live there. Northeast Austin is where many of Austin's black and Latino residents live. It's muy bueno. It just makes me feel at home. People like Stephanie Gonzalez don't want to live anywhere else. I think there is room in pr for improvement. Travis County is now taking real action to make sure those who call this community home can not only stay, but thrive. What we're trying to construct is a policy framework. Uh, the idea is uh, that there are a lot of very effective programs uh, that are operating independently of each other. Last week, Travis County passed a Marshall Plan co-resolution with the city of Austin. It'll pinpoint the best ways to invest and fund resources in Northeast Austin. Most of the Northeastern Corridor uh, was has been affected by redlining, lack of access to credit, lack of access to uh, government resources. And the only time it seems that they gain access is when they're gentrified. We want to make sure that we address their needs before gentrification. Think of it as a community master plan that has everything a community needs in one area. We had identified all of the places where we have made investment. Travis County has already done some work to provide more resources, partnering with the Central Texas Food Bank for food distributions, free health clinics, and more. But the Marshall Plan would make resources like these more permanent and consistent. Jayla Washington, KXAN News. 
And Travis County submitted a $250,000 budget request in the fiscal year 24 budget process to help with the creation of project plan and a financial model. The resolution that just passed also calls for community-led planning. Heads up, the tournament point boat ramp at Pace Bend Park is closing tonight at 715. This is all because of low water levels out there at Lake Travis. So this means all boat ramps at Travis County Parks on Lake Travis will be closed. And Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans is joining us now. Normally, we dread your forecast. We love you, don't get me wrong, but we dread your forecast. But what's great about tonight is that there could be some relief for people. Next week, we've got a lot to look forward to. But in the meantime, there is zero water flowing into Lake Travis and Buchanan. Something that's very rare. Even a couple weeks ago, we had a little bit coming in from the Llano River. Because of that, though, Travis and Buchanan are still falling quickly and at their lowest levels in eight years. Here we are with another hot, dry afternoon. Temperatures are not supposed to be in the triple digits every day now that we've turned the month into September. Partly cloudy in Austin, 102. Today was our 74th 100-degree day of the year. Still in second place, behind 90 from 2011. But here's the all-time record. We've never had this many extreme heat days, 105 or hotter, 40 of them. Today was not one of them. We ended up at 104 so far in Austin. But notice what's weird. More than half of our 100-degree days have been extraordinarily hot days above 104. High temperatures over the next few days, we're going to keep actually racking both of those numbers up. Look at this, 106 Thursday, 108 is possible in Austin on Friday. That's 14 degrees above normal and actually would be a record high for the day by a 6-degree margin. That's huge. These are on track with some of the hottest temperatures we've ever seen in the month of September. But let's talk about when a little change comes. First things first, in the tropics, we've got a really impressive hurricane developing that is not going to affect Texas. Here it is. The newly minted tropical storm Lee winds are at 45 miles per hour developing quickly. This is one of the most bullish forecasts ever issued so early in a storm's lifetime by the National Hurricane Center. They're calling for a category four, almost category five storm five days from now chugging west northwestward. Beyond this forecast period, we're quite confident it will not impact Texas curving northward, maybe somewhere up near Boston or Newfoundland. Our friends and family will need to watch this on the East Coast. But let me talk about the other area of the tropics. On Sunday, five days away, we'll also be watching a different hurricane, this one in the eastern Pacific, well southwest of Texas. The heat dome, by that point this coming weekend, will be to our southwest. Both of these things are important because a little piece of moisture and energy from that Pacific hurricane rides up around the top of the ridge and juices up a cold front, which, new today, looks like it makes it here into central Texas next week. This is six or seven days out, finally bringing some milder and wetter weather to the state. This could not only bring temperatures well below 100, maybe some highs in the 80s in some places, depending on how this plays out. But over the next seven to nine days, we could see a widespread three quarters of an inch to one inch of rain. Some computer models, I will tell you, this is an unlikely scenario at this time, but they're pointing to even heavier, wonderful rainfall totals. As I mentioned, do not bet on this happening as of right now. But the fact that this good model is suggesting it may, this is a good sign that we'll have to keep an eye on that setup next week. In the meantime, let's just get through this stretch of awful heat over the next few days. Tonight, another record warm morning low, 79, beating the record from back in 1897 of 78. Tomorrow, record highs, sunshine, 105, beating the record of 103 set just a few years ago. 
The records only get more and more awful. 106 Thursday, 108 on Friday. We may still see records falling this weekend, even as a slight chance of rain begins. But look at this, guys. We can now see the cool front and a better chance of rain. How about next Tuesday? High temperatures down to 95 with a 40% chance of thunderstorms. All right, David, thank you very much. Well, on Capitol Hill, Congress got back to work today facing a possible government shutdown and impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Two issues that could impact the 2024 presidential campaign. Now September brings the unofficial fall campaign kickoff and candidates are out in full force making their case to voters. As Alice Barr reports, this comes as a new poll shows that two party frontrunners are neck and neck in a head-to-head matchup. With August recess over, senators are returning to a packed September schedule. Lawmakers are deadlocked over disaster relief funding and providing more aid to Ukraine, all leading up to the September 30th deadline to prevent a government shutdown. Right-wing Republican House members bent on steep spending cuts are rebelling against a short-term extension to buy more time for negotiations. Leaders in both parties promising to act. Democrats and Republicans all must get on the same page about keeping the government open. But for some House conservatives, the top priority remains investigations into President Biden and his son Hunter's business dealings. Though House Republicans have not produced evidence of wrongdoing by the president, at least one hard right member says she won't vote to fund the government until the House votes to begin a Biden impeachment inquiry. For his part, President Biden sharpening his attacks against his predecessor and 2024 rival, former President Trump. Trump. The great real estate builder, the last guy here, he didn't build a damn thing. A new Wall Street Journal poll has the pair in a dead heat in a head-to-head -head matchup, while the former president is up 46 points over his nearest Republican rival, as other candidates campaign to make a dent in that lead. We've got to think about leadership that's not distracted because we've got so many issues facing our country. Mr. Trump is choosing to skip tomorrow's initial court appearance in the Georgia election interference case while pleading not guilty and fundraising off his latest legal fight. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Well, as of today, Narcan is now available over the counter, but for some, it's still out of reach. Why some are saying the price needs to be lowered to continue saving lives from overdoses. Tonight on News Nation, hundreds of kids are enrolling in schools throughout the country, but they're not American citizens. How the border crisis is impacting classrooms well beyond the Rio Grande. Then the UAW wants higher pay and better benefits. Why a potential major labor battle could be putting President Biden in a tough spot. Plus, one governor's trying to store natural gas and keep prices low. But his name may surprise you. Why some say Gavin Newsom's latest shift on energy policy means he's running for president. Tonight on On Balance. To find News Nation, go to JoinNN.com. Starting today, millions of Americans can buy the overdose antidote Narcan without a prescription. This is the first time the life-saving drug is available over-the-counter in drugstores across the nation. And it comes after the FDA approved the over-the-counter version of the drug earlier this year to address the nation's growing opioid crisis. At nearly $45 per dose, it's not exactly cheap, but advocates of Narcan say that is a small price to pay for increased access, while others believe that price tag puts it out of reach 
for many who need it. Insurance companies don't usually cover the costs of over-the-counter drugs, but some insurers, such as Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and other Medicare and Medicaid programs say they will continue covering Narcan. In a statement announcing the launch of the drug, Emergent Biosolutions says it's working with partners to ensure Narcan is readily available to at-risk communities, adding while the company wants to help maintain access and affordability, the price is set by individual retailers. Lawyers for convicted murderer Alex Murdaugh are filing a motion today seeking a new trial after allegedly uncovering evidence of jury tampering. Murdaugh's attorneys claim Rebecca Hill, the Carrollton County Clerk of Court, pressured jurors who took three hours, less than three hours, to deliberate to find Murdaugh guilty to reach a, they say that she pressured them to reach a quick verdict. Now, Hill went on to co-author the book Behind the Doors of Justice, The Murdoch Murders, which published in July. It details Hill's experience overseeing such a major trial and her family's history with the Murdochs, whose family patriarchs had previously wielded power as the top prosecutor in South Carolina's coastal low country. Murdoch's attorneys said, quote, Hill did these things to secure herself a book deal and media appearances that would not have happened in the event of a mistrial. The motion adds that Hill betrayed her oath of office for money and fame. Tonight on KXAN, America's Got Talent at 7, Quantum Leap at 9, before KXAN News at 10. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin. Here's where to find us.